friends, our second lesson is from the 28th chapter of Genesis, verses 10 through 17. This passage picks up after Jacob learns that Esau has threatened to kill him. And so Jacob flees. Listen now to a word from God. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And Jacob dreamed that there was a ladder set up on earth, the top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside Jacob and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, may your Holy Spirit be in each word that is spoken. If the words spoken are not of you, may they fall away. And may your Holy Spirit be in our hearts and our minds. May we hear you speaking to us this day. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is perhaps the greatest story of sibling rivalry ever told. Isn't it the truth that siblings often have a kind of competitiveness from the moment they come into the world? I know that in my family, my older brother and I are terribly competitive, and as we get older, it only has gotten worse. We don't even bother hiding it anymore. When I decided that I would go and enroll in school to get my doctorate, someone asked me, well, when you graduate, are you going to want people to call you Dr. Bulger? And I said, no, except my big brother. (laughs) He's going to have to call me Dr. Bulger. And not to say that it's all just, you know, me. When I actually told Todd that I was going to school to get my doctorate, he was quiet for a minute and he goes, I'll find a program online and get it done before you. (laughs) And he did not. It seems to be this idea that siblings always want to one-up each other. And it really is about love, isn't it? And the truth is also that even as people, we like to one-up one another. We like to think that we are more important or more valuable. It's just a facet of human nature. It's really a facet of our sin. But we never see it anywhere more starkly in the Bible than in the story of Jacob and Esau. Now, 
On one level, the story of Jacob and Esau is the story of two nations. Jacob will grow up to become the nation of Israel, from which King David and Jesus Christ will come. We know our salvation because of Jacob. Now, Esau will also grow up and lead a great nation, the Edomites. And Esau will have his own purpose in the world. But the thing that is difficult about this story is that God has chosen Jacob to carry out the promise he made to Abraham and to Isaac. Remember that God came to Abraham when he was living in Haran and said, Abraham, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will give you more descendants than there are stars in the sky. And Abraham believes God. And when God says, I want you to leave Haran and go towards the promised land, Abraham does it because he is faithful. And then comes Isaac, who they thought would never be born. And Isaac is born into the world, and God chooses to work through Isaac's life in order to bring about Jacob, Jacob and Esau. And do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about that, he, or maybe it was last week, that Hebrew word Hanani, here I am? Hanani is the response of a faithful person when the Lord God has put a call into someone's life. Well, in this passage, there are only two people who respond with the Hanani. One of them is Esau, and one of them is Isaac. And so what we have in this story is we have Isaac, who is old and blind, who has been faithful to God and who ends up tricked. He's tricked by his own son. Esau, by every right, should have gotten the birthright as the firstborn and he should have gotten the blessing. And instead, what he gets is deceived and shut out of the blessing. But make no mistake, the people who act honorably in this story are Isaac and Esau, the people who are going to be tricked and deceived. They are the ones who say, here I am, ready to be faithful to God. And then there's Jacob. Jacob who swindles his older brother out of the birthright for a bowl of porridge. Jacob who comes and steals the blessing, who goes to such great lengths that he puts on a disguise to go in and meet his father. And so the whole of this story is that God has elected to use Jacob. And the question is, why? Why would you use Jacob? And the answer is that we don't know why God chose to use Jacob. We just know that God did and that God fulfilled God's promises through the schemer and deceiver that was Jacob. It is our hope, right, that God's purposes are carried out by the saints. But guess what, friends? God's purposes are carried out by the sinners. It is sinful, deceitful Jacob that God chooses to carry out his blessing to the world. And never forget that God isn't choosing Jacob because he's the better person. He's choosing Jacob because he wants Jacob to carry on this legacy and be a blessing to others to raise up this nation that will carry out God's purposes for God. This should be a story that brings us good news. 
It is good news that God works out God's purposes even through sinful and deceitful people. Because the truth is, friends, we are all the sinners. We all make the mistakes. We are all at times in our lives the deceivers and the tricksters because we're human. And yet, God promises to be faithful still. That's the good news of this passage. It's also good news because this passage is about hope. No one knowing Jacob and Esau would say, you know, I really trust Jacob. He just seems like a really good guy. Nobody says that. No one can have faith in Jacob. And yet, God's purposes still come about because you can trust in God. It is difficult to trust in humanity. We let each other down all the time. But we still have hope because within sinful humanity, God brings about God's purposes for the world. This story of the worst brother ever ends in the birth of Jesus Christ into the world and our salvation and our knowledge of love. This is a story of hope. I was thinking about that this week when I was listening to one of my favorite speeches. It's by a woman named Barbara Jordan. And Barbara Jordan was the first black woman elected to the Texas Congressional Caucus when she was the first woman after Reconstruction, the first black woman. And so because she then went on to be a part of the U.S. House of Representatives, she first came to be known in the Nixon-Watergate hearings when she gave this really lovely speech saying that she believed in the Constitution and considered it important. So two years later, she's asked to speak at the Democratic National Convention. And she stands up and she says, it is unusual that I am here to speak because it wasn't that long ago that I wasn't even allowed to vote. And it wasn't that long before that that my family was enslaved. And she goes on to give this incredible speech of hope where she tells them that they need to be the people who care for the common good of all Americans. And an interviewer later asked her, how are you able to be hopeful? And she says, well, I come from a, teacher of, uh, I come from a family of ministers and teachers. And she says, my granddaddy taught me a long ago that the story of the Old Testament the story of the Gospels, the story of Jesus Christ is that humanity often does things wrong, that humanity often cannot be trusted, and yet I'm supposed to love them anyway, and I'm supposed to trust God. There is so much that is troubling about their world, about our world. Isn't there so much that is troubling? But our charge as people of faith is to always trust in God and trust that even though we cannot see and even though it looks hopeless, God is working to bring God's purposes about in the world. And we are also charged to be a people 
who serve God's purposes as best as we can, people who have hope and who love others even when they mess up over and over again. And so I'll just leave you with this. C.S. Lewis has said that God's purposes will be worked out no matter what you do, but it makes a difference to you whether you serve like Judas or John. We are called to serve like John. And when all hope is lost, when it seems like the blessing has been stolen and there's nothing left, we remember that God uses broken humanity to bring about God's goodness in the world. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.